episode of the Future Tribe show. I'm Jermaine. And I'm Kelsey. We've got a very interesting show for you today, as always, um, starting off with Pepsi and uh, Pepsi's latest uh, missed attempt, I think, at, at marketing. Um, we've got the MTV logo refresh, which I've, I've sort of never seen them do that before. So that's an interesting one. A vast antivirus rebranding um, and MailChimp getting acquired by a company that, especially if in the US, you'd be very, very familiar with. And um, what other topics do we have today, Kelsey? Um, so we'll also be talking about uh, a migration we've had from the Future Theory website. So a little announcement there to make. Um, talking about the maker of Monster Insights acquiring uh, another brand. Um, Easy Digital Downloads, if anyone's heard of that. Um, we'll be talking about LearnDash getting acquired as well, so a few acquisitions there. Um, and finishing it off with um, a new podcast from the team behind Gravity Forms. Yeah, so a lot of WordPress and acquisition sort of talk on this week's episode, but let's roll the intro and get started. All right, all right, all right. So the first one, Pepsi not hitting the mark with their target audience. Uh, what do you know about this one, Kelsey? Yeah, so I came across this article the other day. Um, basically, Pepsi has done a slight rebrand. Um, I think it's just temporary as a sort of marketing push at the moment. Um, and they've got a new ad spot to go with it, um, which I believe is being shown through socials. It's not so much a TV ad. Oh, it might be in the US, but... At least for us in Australia, I think it's more of a digital ad. Um, so you can see on the screen there for the people that are watching the stream, um, we've got that rebrand. It's very retro, trying to go sort of that 70s, 80s kind of vibe, um, bringing in a bit of nostalgia, I guess, for a lot of the older generation maybe that would be familiar with that kind of design. Um, the issue is that the sort of ad they've got, um, they've used Doja Cat. And they've taken uh, the song from Greece um, and sort of transformed it into this modern take on it, I guess, um, which is not, I don't know, it's interesting. So you go through TikTok and you're talking about a song from 1978 and trying to match up Gen Z with a song from, you know, what is that now, like 50, 40 years ago? That's my master's way off there. Just a long time ago. About 40 years um, ago, Yeah. Yeah. So it's a bit of, I don't know, it seems to have fallen flat because so many of the seemingly target audience, which is that Gen Z audience, is just not familiar with that song. Um, so all of a sudden you've just got this kind of weird mix of, yeah, I don't know, music, visuals, and just the wrong audience. Like it just doesn't match up in my eyes. Yeah, it's it might be um, a case of needing a bit more refinement maybe someone came up with this concept and and everyone thought okay this is this is the way to go let's do it but quite you know didn't ex execute on it but this isn't the first time pepsi's misstepped anyway right like there was a whole kylie jenner controversy mm. um, yeah <laughs> it's not it's not a weird one for pepsi it makes you wonder if this is a, a strategy on pepsi's part to intentionally misstep every single time because <laughs> <Yeah>. mm. it's <laughs> definitely like their second tier 
cola brand that's really trying to compete with Coke and is just struggling because they just can't seem to find their own mark, I guess. Um, I mean, I personally love the rebrand. I think it looks really awesome. It's kind of funky. Um, the new flavors as well, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, um, Soda Shop. Oh, well, it's called yeah. Soda Shop and then Cream Soda Cola and Black Cherry Cola is the in the screenshot here at least yeah um, which i love and they're, they're, i would say they're quite retro flavors as well it's the kind of thing you'd imagine in like a diner in the 70s or 80s so I, I can understand that angle i just think that i don't know maybe we're not understanding who they're trying to target or they've just really missed their target audience and what they'll respond to um because they've hit the mark with doja cat she's huge on tiktok that'll make sense but just the song choice and the execution of the song and sort of not massacring a classic because they haven't massacred it, but it's also just not, it's not even an improvement or anything. It's just kind of average. Just there. <laughs> yeah. It just sort of exists. Yeah. Um, and, and you would imagine that there would have been a decent budget creating that sort of scenescape and creating the, the atmosphere around it. And um, I mean, I don't connect with Doja Cat. I think definitely more of a tiktok I, I i if you ask me one of what one of her songs are i think she's a it's a she right yes yeah uh, if you ask me one of one of their songs i would not be able to tell you um, <laughs> i think you I would have heard them. them she's got a few big ones um but she's probably. definitely like a tiktok artist first yeah yeah which is a weird genre of artist to be <laughs> <laughs> well it's yeah one. it's it's a whole new world of uh, music and how music sort of interacts with me uh, social media as well so um classic pepsi though um a bit of a misstep there um on to another classic brand um i would say mtv made popular by mtv cribs am amongst a lot of other things that they they're known for um they've done a bit of a, a refresh again we're featuring brand new uh their website um so awesome site to check out as, as always uh this refresh is very subtle and very much a refresh would you agree is with subtle that? the right word when you're talking about bright yellow red and blue <laughs> Su subtle in terms of the changes potentially or perhaps mm. um not so subtle in terms of yeah the, the colors that they've chosen to use though Interestingly, mm. I think this is a logo that hasn't really changed over the years. They've they've refined it, if only if only just. Um, mm. They've sort and... of just kept the same basis and adjusted to the current trends, essentially. With that, like black and white. Previously, it was I mean that, those eighty colors of like orange, light blue, and red, and now they've gone very like bright, which is very much a trend at the moment. I've been seeing, just really bright and fun, I guess. Yeah, though the black and or the single color version from 09 um, to until recently um, to the new shift has only just dropped that 3D effect. Again, I guess this makes it makes a logo that is very easy to scale down. Um, obviously, social media is much bigger now than it was even in 2009. And in 2009, Facebook would have been a year old, I think, if, I, if I'm getting my dates correct. So uh, they've simplified things further and made something that can be scaled down uh, a lot more comfortably. Um, and then they're applying that the bright colors again across um, their different media brands as well. Um, I think it, it really works. Um, I, I love the simplification. Yeah, it looks really cool. Um, I was just sort of thinking from like a brand perspective, 
MTV when it first started was obviously music television. Like it said what it was, it was really clear. Um, and I think it's like a bit of a running joke now that you can't get music on MTV on the channel when you go and look at it. So I just wonder, um, like I love the rebrand and everything. I wonder if at any point they'll consider a, like a full rebrand of like change of name or anything to align better with who they are now because they're not music television. But I guess it's it's an acronym that, I mean, I'm just going to scroll up and work out, have they ever referred to themselves in that way? And I'm guessing... Yeah. I mean, they stick I'm to MTV, no. which is good. Um, and, like, I, I feel like it would be such a difficult rebrand because it's such a well-known thing that it's just interesting. Oh, they're iconic. Like, yeah. I don't know what you'd be able to change to to still keep that level of, like, MTV is MTV. You cannot, mm -hmm. you just can't get past it, right? They're so big. They're just. Yeah. At the same huge. time, though, I mean, from my perspective, when I think of MTV, I think of Outdated because I just think that they got stuck in that like music television space and just haven't been able to like adjust to the new sort of way things are done. And maybe this is sort of start of the push, or maybe I'm just not familiar enough with what they've been doing because I just don't. I don't think I watch or pay attention to any MTV content myself. It's potentially also because we're in Australia, um, mm. potentially, because, you know, shows like Catfish are quite big. Um, and But then in Australia, I would argue that the streaming platforms have really got a, got a stronghold. So we're not mm -hmm. exposed to MTV as much, I think, um, MTV awards and things like that happen happen in the I US. That existed. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's there's probably a lot that we don't get exposed to in Australia. So this is maybe mm -hmm. a case for the market being a bit bit different. But if you look through, um, and we'll have all these links in the description of whatever platform you're looking at at this through. But if you look through, I think they've done a really nice application of color and shapes and patterns and and it's a good a good example i think over the last few episodes we've talked about a few missteps and a few sort of miss hits but this this mtv refresh to me is quite a solid move on their part and they've sort of hit the nail on the head i would i would say yeah i agree i really like it um moving on from one refresh to more of a rebrand they've um have you have you used a vast antivirus ever or do you know uh, of them? i'm gonna say yes i'm not confident on it but i'm sure at some point my dad would have installed that kind of thing on my laptops through the years <laughs> <laughs> well they've gone ahead and changed uh their logo mark um as well as their the well the whole logo um I wanted to show this as an example of how you can sort of change, but then I think condense down the principles of a logo to something even more, uh, I guess, stronger, more distilled. Um, to me, this shift from a bit of a, I don't know what it was meant to be. Do you, does it look a bit like a virus to you? The the old, old logo A with the Yeah, orange? maybe. Um, I kind of just see a blob. <laughs> not very creative, but yeah. So, so saying that, you know, they've shifted to something even less creative, um, <laughs> which is a, a circle. But what I like about mm. it is that 
it's a shape, but, you know, it is also somewhat abstract A. Um, and to me, as a whole sort of representation of an antivirus software, it looks a lot more serious. It looks a lot more professional and established, um, where the old one looks a bit more, a bit too playful. Like I wouldn't necessarily want something so playful uh, installed on my on my computer when I'm talking about my security and the security of potentially my loved ones and the information and, and financial information. Um, mm -hmm. How does this sit with you though? Yeah, I like it. Um, I think that I see two shapes in this. That's the circle and a triangle. And those are two shapes I'd probably consider quite strong. I mean, triangles are apparently like the strongest kind of shape really. And when it comes to a circle, this is probably a bit of a like English class stretch kind of thing here, but like I'm quite, kind of thinking of like a turret or like a fort sort of thing. So like first line defense strength in that sense. Again, that's probably an English stretch of like the apple was red, so it means this, but, <laughs> but yeah, I like it. I think it's fresh. Um, it's really clean. It does feel strong and kind of more trustworthy, I think, than the old one as well. And I like that they've gone to a darker black rather than the gray that they had previously, because again, I think it just adds that extra bit of strength to the name. Yeah, certainly. And I think they've also been able to find a shape in terms of the A that is fairly unique. Like I haven't really, it doesn't sort of make me look at it and go, oh, I've seen this before. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen general, like, you know, maybe 50% of the concept here in that it's sort of like a like the same shape sort of changing in size and scaling. But mm -hmm. um, they've still been able to find a somewhat unique execution of it. Um, and ultimately, you know, going on this, the thing that I go on about, harp on about the the logo as a, as a, a, an identifier rather than a descriptor this really hits that nail on the head um did i tell you about how i had this whole argument with someone in in a facebook group about logos as identifiers versus descriptors and you might have mentioned thing? it but give me a refresher <laughs> well the the avast example is probably the best one and even m well mtv to an extent um but basically i try and push this to people that logos should be identifiers in that logos should be designed to be unique and ownable for you. And, and by that, I mean, think of like the McDonald's M arch or the Nike tick, um, rather than trying to describe what you do. It's something that I think, uh, new or fresh graphic designers and logo designers do in that, you know, they're, they're doing a logo for a chicken shop. So they try and have a chicken in there um, where you don't really see a chicken in the KFC logo. Uh, and they think that that makes for a logo that is really representative of the company that they're designing the logo for. Whereas I would argue, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this, a logo instead should be something that makes you recognizable for yourself. So if you're a vast, someone should be able to see it and say, oh, that's a vast versus someone looking at it and thinking to themselves, oh, that's a, that's an antivirus software. And mm -hmm. this, it, it doesn't necessarily apply to every single industry. I think if you uh, say are like a, um, a glass, like a windscreen shop, um, I think in that case, if you do auto glass, it doesn't hurt to have 
a more auto glass sort of representation in your logo um, just because that's that's sort of a market that people sort of use once or twice in their lifetime mm-hmm. I would think you just want to be able to identify it quickly and know what it is rather than like the, a long-term investment in a brand yeah because people aren't going to you would think I mean I've replaced a winds, windscreen or windshield once in in my years of owning a car so far um, have you ever replaced your windscreen never in a car no. so you're not really trying to build a you know a good rapport with a auto glass provider I would think no. um, unless you're you know into just making friends in all the right places <laughs> <laughs> absolutely but but what do you think about that sort of comment about logos as identifiers versus descriptors yeah I think it helps to um, you know if you treat a logo as an identifier it allows you to put a brand to the logo and apply your own sort of um, values and whatever else you want to sort of put to it and make it your own um, and which I think Avast has done like they haven't tried to put like a security lock or a shield or which is yes, quite a common thing exactly. to do. Um, so I think they've done well to stick to that um, and I do also like that they've kept the orange to maintain what they built up from the previous logo so it's similar enough but it's it's fresh it's new without being a full complete rebrand. So you're not throwing any, well, you're not throwing everything away. You're, you're no. bringing some things across. Exactly. Yeah, I really like it. Good. Awesome. Well, jumping from a talk about logos to getting into more of the acquisitions that we mentioned um, at the start of the episode, the first one is MailChimp being acquired for Intuit. Um, I don't think anyone would have guessed that MailChimp would have been bought for $12 billion. Um, Billion, jeez. That's crazy. I've seen people say, you know, that they didn't realize um, that MailChimp was so big, uh, that they didn't realize that MailChimp had that many customers. Um, But then again, Intuit's known for acquiring a lot of companies. Have you heard of Intuit? No, I've got to say when it comes to acquisition stuff, I am very unfamiliar with most of, these kind of companies. Um, so I'm going to need you to walk me through a lot of them. <laughs> well, Intuit is huge. The only reason I'm aware of Intuit is because they um, they either developed or, I mean, they definitely own QuickBooks, which is a um, mm-hmm. like a zero competitor. Um, so it's not necessarily something that um, the, the average person comes across um, in, in terms of Intuit as a company. They're more sort of B2B focused. Um, they Intuit also owns mint.com, which is quite big in the US. I've just um, looked them up on uh, Wikipedia and there's, oh, about two screens worth of um, uh, items of acquisitions as far as Intuit's concerned. So, wow. um, yeah, they've broken it down by decades. That's how, <laughs> that's how significant... Um, They've, yeah, in, in in the last two years, they've acquired three companies. Um, last year, they acquired a company called Credit Karma for $7.1 billion. So I've never heard of them, but um, these guys make a lot of money. They, they do revenue of around $6.7, $6.8 billion US dollars every year. So they're quite big. Um, they're they have got over 10,000 employees. Um, the reason I wanted to bring it up is because uh, 
MailChimp to you, Kelsey, what does it mean? What do you, what do you remember MailChimp like is in terms of what uh, they do and what they offer? The newsletters that show up in my inbox from various e-commerce stores that I signed up to for a 10% discount and forgot about, never bought from. That's pretty much MailChimp for me. Um, I mean, I've used it myself for lots of different newsletters, but yeah, that's sort of my knowledge of it. Yeah, see, a lot of people don't realize that MailChimp has become more of a marketing platform these days rather than just a newsletter service. So there's automations, there's, I think you can even build your own websites using MailChimp. Definitely you mm -hmm. can do landing pages. So um, I think MailChimp's been loved. I mean, I used to love, I, I, we still got clients who use MailChimp, uh, but I think this news is interesting in that Intuit spent $12 billion on acquiring MailChimp they're going to want to make some of that money back as soon as yeah. possible. And MailChimp's over the years really tightened what they used to do as, as sort of free service. Um, they've tightened it further and further. And this is more of a heads up that if you're not already paying for MailChimp, there might you know be an increased chance of you needing to pay for MailChimp. Now, I can't really suggest an alternative because MailChimp is really quite good. We've got clients who use MailChimp to send, you know, 30,000 emails a day, um, extremely reliable. Um, so there's, there's not other options necessarily, but if you're concerned about it, something to keep an eye out for, because um, you might need to start paying for features that used to be free. It's mm. unfortunate. <laughs> kind of hope it goes it the other way. Maybe they'll allow more free features from a larger company that owns them now. Potentially. Maybe, maybe they... Resources across the different companies. And to, I guess, maybe get more customers signed up. Um, yeah. Some, something, I guess, to look out for. I mean, Canva's sort of done that. Uh, Canva's worth four times what MailChimp's worth. But yeah, I would argue that MailChimp's just as well known as Canva. Yeah, and I think both companies, they've done a really good job of offering enough free tier services that you get hooked and you go, this is great, this is worth the investment and convince them that way rather than sort of going money first. So I kind of hope that they'll continue with that kind of model and be able to yeah justify why people should pay for it in that sense. Yeah, just just to wait and see. This, is, this isn't the first talk of acquisitions uh, this episode. We've got another couple of things to talk about so um before we jump into those let's talk about what we did uh, a few days ago this week at future theory um in migrating from futuretheory.com.au to futuretheory.co now i wanted to bring this up because when you're deciding on a domain name i think a lot of people struggle to find short domain names for the names that they come up with um, have you ever tried to register a domain name, Kelsey? And how was that experience for you in terms of finding an available domain name? Um, I haven't done it for myself, but we've sort of done it for a few clients that have, um, we thought were unique names, I guess, but obviously in the world of the internet, there's domains taken everywhere. Um, it was quite challenging because then you start having to put like hyphens or I don't even know what else, just like spelling it differently, add other, adding other words or just making it really long. And inconvenient so haven't loved that side of it <laughs> yeah so for us we we've been trying to acquire future theory.com for a long long time 
and it's just we're just not hearing back from the current company that um, has it and doesn't really use it. But what we wanted to do was to change our so .com.au is fantastic. We we will continue to serve our local Australian customers um, and clients, um, but we also wanted to look at how we can help more people and reach more people with the information that we have on the website. Uh, we we get a lot of visits every day, every month onto the website. Um, and we've been looking at sort of getting information on the website that helps as many people as possible while also continuing to help our Australian customers. Um, so that's why we've shifted from .com.au to .co. It's still too early to know whether that's going to have a negative effect on our search engine optimization. We've done everything that we can when we shift from a domain um, for anyone who's sort of looking into it it's basically you want to do 301 redirects which sounds a bit more technical than than the average person would want to deal with but uh, it is quite important to maintain the the sort of nice seo positioning and the the nice uh image that you've built up for yourselves in google's eyes so we've shifted to a .co. We're going to release a lot more information in the in the coming weeks, in the coming months. Um, but I wanted to mention it more as a, you know, we've shifted, and so keep keep that in mind now, sort of, um, and also I guess mention it for anyone who's looking to shift your domain name. Um, there is a good and correct way to do it and there are definitely way, wrong ways to do it and ways to mess it up so if you're looking for help reach out to us or uh, join the future tribe facebook group which is going to be linked below um, and we'd love to help you in there as well um, did you have anything else to add to that kelsey uh no i think you've got it all um i mean definitely come join the future tribe group uh you can ask any questions you've got there it's sort of our community to, I mean, community source information and for us to be able to talk with people directly and sort of offer that advice in a more free sort of setting. Definitely, definitely. Um, so on to the next acquisition news. Um, when you read it out, I could tell that you weren't so completely aware of Monster Insights no and Easy Digital <laughs> Downloads, but these guys are huge in the WordPress plugin, WordPress space. Um, Monster Insights, best known for their Google plugin that allows you to integrate um, Google Analytics onto your website and monitor Google Analytics on your WordPress site directly within the dashboard. And Easy Digital Downloads is a, a very popular as the name suggests, digital downloads plugin. But the companies behind um, them are called Awesome Motive and Sandhills Development. These guys are actually huge in the WordPress space. So Awesome Motive has Optin Monster, WP Forms, Monster Insights, and, a, and other WordPress plugins that if you're in the WordPress world, you'd be very, very aware of. Um, and then Sandhills Development includes Easy Digital Downloads, Affiliate WP, WP Simple Pay. Um, there are a lot of plugins again there. So this is more of the consolidation that we've been talking about in the podcast space and the WordPress space. I, I, I personally think it's a bit of a pity because a lot of these companies build up a lot of goodwill and um, a lot of that sort of small business 
um, customer service and community around them and then they get acquired by a bigger company. Do you do you have a lot of experience, Kelsey, sort of dealing with smaller companies that are fantastic and then they might get acquired and, you know, things start to fall off a little bit? Um, I've got to say nothing really comes to mind. Um, trying to think of like what kind of companies I've interacted with lately, but nothing's really coming to mind. Well, that that's that's a good example, I guess, of the fact that maybe it won't be a huge thing for you. Maybe you won't even realize. Like ideally, in an ideal world, when a company gets acquired by another, the customers won't even notice. Um, so potentially, maybe this is to say that I'm just being um, a bit bit more pedantic about something that won't affect everyone else. Um, but then looking at it from from my perspective, which is more of a development WordPress management point of view, we've got clients using, you know, plugins from both sides of the of the camp. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. Um, and uh, there's another acquisition that that we also mentioned, which is um, LearnDash being acquired. And LearnDash is a very popular WordPress um, LMS or learning management system. And they've been acquired by Stella WP, who's actually owned by Liquid Web, which is again a big company, um, and again more consolidation. So the guys behind um, or the team behind Stella WP owns iThemes, the Events Calendar, Restrict Content Pro. All these used to be, or majority of them, used to be separate products that are now being acquired and acquired and acquired. Um, and personally, from my side of the the, the um, debate, I don't like it. I, I love being able to talk to the developer or a small team of 10 people, um, whereas now, you know, we're just becoming one of the, one of the numbers. Um, mm. But then again, it doesn't sound like you're affected too much by this sort of thing yeah. or you, you notice. <laughs> I think I probably come from the opposite direction. Um, I can understand your concern with that happening, but I kind of feel like when it comes to acquisitions, yes, it can sort of fall off that small business kind of style of doing things, but I think it can also open up um, that company to be able to do more and be able to help more people or make, you know, their services more streamlined, have better customer service things. You know, if you've just got one developer who's, talking to the customers there's only so many people they can talk to and that's great when you're at the early stages of that business but when it gets to a point where you've got thousands and thousands of customers that one developer can't talk to all of them and you need to bring in that sort of customer service team which I think these acquisitions allow to happen in a proven way with people that sort of know what they're doing it's not just trial and error again and again for all these different small businesses um, so I think it just opens up a lot more capability with these acquisitions and probably streamlines better. What do you think though it does in a world where like WordPress was developed as an, well, it's still open source, it's built by the community and we're getting bigger and bigger, you know, companies having roles to play within an open source community. Again, this is coming from like you, you're looking at it more from the consumer side um, than then I would be looking at it. So I'm interested mm -hmm. to hear your thoughts on, on on that side. Like we've got this 
very community focused product and and platform that is becoming increasingly corporatized. Mm. So I'm not as familiar myself with open source platforms from the perspective of somebody who would, I guess, be contributing or like really in that community. Um, So it's sort of hard to comment on how that impacts it because, again, I sort of I am looking from that corporate perspective where I see the positives of it being corporatized. But I can understand that the people who are much more invested in open source sort of stuff and being really involved in that community would not be happy about it because I guess they would lose or they'd be competing with bigger people for one or bigger companies, bigger groups. Um, And I guess it does lose that sort of community built feel when you've got all of a sudden this investment from all these big companies. So I can understand that. Well, you yeah, you've spoken to the benefits of um, having more resources, and I think you know that that's that's very true. So um, maybe my concern also is coming from the angle of like corporations now are creating a lot of power in a world where you know the open source community. The whole point of open source is that there is is power sort of democratized across multiple individuals, and everything sort of you know, a team effort um, and going more corporate obviously takes away from that. But we'll see what happens. WordPress is getting bigger and bigger every year. Um, and despite, you know, all these other web uh, website building solutions like Wix, Squarespace, et cetera, et cetera, WordPress continues to be really, really strong and going from strength to strength. So um, maybe maybe WordPress is just going to become more corporatized as we go and that doesn't necessarily mean that the open source community gets smaller um hopefully and it just means that you know on top of the open source side of things there's corporations sort of beating the same drum and pushing things forward as well which Mm. sounds like a you know that's 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 a good thing i think yeah i mean it kind of feels like it's just capitalism in early form isn't it because you start off with open source sort of stuff where you've got a couple of contributors and then they become more popular and all of a sudden they have to bring on another person to help them out with the development. All of a sudden you've got all these mini corporations and things which get taken over It's just and it builds. So it just, to me, it just seems like classic capitalism situation. And you can't yeah. really do too much about it when that's the whole structure of, I guess, how open source will end up being eventually. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe that's just what it is, and I've just got to. I've just got to get on board. <laughs> it's kind of sad, but I just. I mean, that just seems like yeah, how capitalism starts off. Well, ultimately, anyway, if if these products continue to serve their customers, um, and don't go back and sort of hurt or damage previous customers, um, I think then it's it's a good outcome. So. Um, yeah, I think I think me, me, we'll, we'll just wait and see. It's it's good to know, good to be aware of. We'll wait and see. Um, and then the last one is uh, Input, which is a new podcast slash video cast by the team behind Gravity Forms, a very, very popular WordPress plugin again. So a lot of WordPress news this week. Um, but these guys, they've announced uh, that they're releasing yeah, a video and a podcast called Input that tells the stories of people who are doing something creative, sharing the ins and outs of how their industries work and providing insight for WordPress's growing community of problem solvers. So I wanted to bring this up because um, they're sort of doing something similar to what we're trying to do um, and we're doing 
but it's a team behind Gravity Forms, really popular plugin. Again, you know, be a team that keeps on growing and a and a product that is very popular. So I wanted to get the word out there on their behalf on this episode. Nice. I'll have to go have a listen after this. Yeah, they've just also mentioned that there's going to be a new Gravity Forms website coming soon as well. And again, the team behind uh, Rocket Genius, who are the guys who build Gravity Forms, is is fantastic. So go go check it out. We'll include all the links to everything that we talked about in this episode in the description. Uh, was there anything else we needed to mention before we call it? Uh, I think that's everything. Well, that things is on the bill. everything. Awesome. Well, just before we roll the outro, uh, thanks for listening to this episode. Um, we'll be back with you with more news next week, everything to do with design, marketing, WordPress development. So catch you then. See you later. <laughs>